Are you scared? Follow me into the darkness as I review horror films of the past and present. Then, open your minds as I share with you real paranormal experiences that myself and others have encountered. I'm Mr. Steve, and welcome to my horror section. There are things on God's earth that we can't explain and can't describe. On this episode, we'll be taking a look at 1988's The Unnameable, which is based off the short story by H.P. Lovecraft. After that, I will share an experience I had with a phantom cat that might interest you. Oh, and I wanted to give a quick shout out to my brother who was on the show with me last week, sharing some of his paranormal experiences. He and one of his best friends, Aaron, have a podcast that you should check out called The Fun Professionals, and Fun Professionals is all one word. They are very funny, and they talk about a multitude of subjects. Give them a listen to if you have a chance. Anyways, on with the show. The Unnameable was released in June of 1988, directly to VHS. It was directed, written, and produced by Jean-Paul Willette. The short story of the same name, by the amazing H.P. Lovecraft, is what inspired this film. It's a wonderful quick read, too, if you get a chance. H.P.'s writing style has such a velvet flow to it. His words work through your mind like silk. I would very much like to read more of his work when I have some free time. And now, let's delve into the story, shall we? Our story begins in the 18th century. A storm rages outside. Within the walls of an old house, we can hear the screams of something less than human. An old man, Joshua Winthrop, sits downstairs listening to the thunder and the shrieks of an unnameable creature he has locked away in the attic. The creature is actually his demon daughter, Elida. The history of the Winthrops remains a mystery to us for now. He can take her screams no longer. He makes his way by candlelight to the attic. He unbolts the massive door, keeping this thing locked from the world. He tries to calm the creature down with fatherly-like tones. This being, this being, comes closer to the old man and rips his heart from his chest. Clearly he's underestimated just how upsetting a thunderstorm can be to a demon from hell. The house is sealed by the local church and never to be reopened. Fast forward to the 1980s. Randolph Carter, a frequent character in H.P. Lovecraft's writings, is sharing the horrific tale of the unnameable to a couple friends, Howard and Joel, while sitting outside the old house from the stories. Joel calls bullshit and decides to spend the night in the house of legend. Howard, showing real concern for their friend, tries to convince Carter not to let him go alone. Carter, not really giving a shit, says to hell with him and let him check it out for himself. And off they went. 
I commend Joel for his bravery. Heading into the old house all by himself, no flashlight, no gun, or mace. I would have at least brought a can of wasp spray, maybe a wooden stick, just some recommendations. Not to fend off ghosts, but you want to be prepared if you run into a squatter or anybody that should not be there. He makes his way through the dark house with nothing but a candle to light his path. He reaches the attic, aka the lair. He wanted to check out the legend of the attic window. The story goes that the unnameable stared out of the attic window so long and often that the reflection of its hideous face became frozen in the glass. A manly shriek from Joel, a little pee down his leg, and he's had enough. There is a lesson to be learned here as his ignorant approach unfortunately leads to his demise as he ends up as meat for the beast. Poor Joel. <laughs> While this was going on, another group of young adults from the local college are planning a little visit to the dark old house. Wendy, Tanya, and the very handsome Bruce, and John who's wearing a sweater wrapped over his shoulders. I think he might be late to the country club or to his midnight golf game or something. Anyways, they're headed to the house to try and score some points with one of the sorority houses. And of course, some other type of scoring. The four brave little toasters are exploring and hey, they brought flashlights. Woohoo! The four quickly become groups of two as Wendy and John split away to have a little uh, adult time. And cue the obligatory 80s horror tit shot. Ooh la la. While they are doing a little horizontal dancing, Joel's severed head rolls down to get a glance at Wendy's dirty pillows. And let the terror ensue. The screams of our naughty girl kick off the hunt of the unnameable. Shrouded in darkness, this creature takes our college kids out, one by one. Tanya is the only one left standing, and that's because she kept her blouse buttoned. As she is fleeing for her life, she opens the front door to see Howard and Carter just arriving to check on their friend Joel. Carter finds some interesting books in the library that help put together the mystery of the unnameable and what can be done about it. Meanwhile, Tanya and Howard are running through the house trying to find any survivors. They reach the attic, and the unnameable finally reveals herself. A hideous creature, pure white skin. Her torso is that of a woman. From her knees down, she is covered in white fur with hooves for feet. Her arms are mostly human-looking. Her forearms and hands appear to be more monstrous as though they busted out from under the human skin, sporting razor-sharp claws. Her face has almost a lion-type resemblance, horns pointing forward on her forehead, long white hair flowing down her back. It looks as though she has wings trying to grow from her shoulder blades, a truly horrifying creature. She attacks Howard and Tanya, but thanks to Carter's quick reading skills, he unleashes the power of the tree spirits surrounding the house that have kept her inside all of these years. Branches bust through the windows. You can hear the voice of her father calling to her. 
The trees take Elida down beneath the ground to keep her from doing any more harm. The three survivors walk off into the night. This is one of those movies that just screams classic 80s horror flick, and I loved everything about it. It is full of cheesy lines, less than great acting, moments of horror and hilarity, and wonderful practical effects. I really liked Carter and Howard. Carter is this astute and overly confident nerd, and I can say that because I'm a big nerd too. He made me think of a young Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, except not an Englishman. Howard was just adorable to me. He had a major crush on Wendy, even though Tanya is the one with a major lady boner for him. He was that boy next door with a heart of gold. The movie keeps the creature concealed until the end, which is always a good tactic to generate more fear. There were quite a few moments where we see through the eyes of the unnameable, and we can hear her breathing as she stalked the college kids. Um, The music was at times a bit much. Uh, It was, uh, I, I would say, corny at times, but then at other times it actually worked. I... I like more silence when it comes to horror films. It just makes my heart pound just a little bit faster when it's quiet and you are waiting for something terrifying to happen. Uh, Music can really damage a horror movie if it's not done properly. The inside of the house was done very well. Uh, Dark hallways. It appeared to be falling apart. It reminded me a lot of the inside of the house used in Night of the Demons. I did notice a couple times in the film when they would be pulling on a door to try to open it and the entire wall would be shaking. (laughs) Gotta secure the set, people. Other than that, I didn't notice any other spoofs in the film. I thought the effects were done really well for a low-budget film. I thought Elida's makeup was so incredible. She was absolutely terrifying. The actress who played her, Katrin Alexandre, brought this horrific yet graceful performance as the unnameable. Although this was a humbly made, straight-to-VHS piece of horror artistry, it did manage to spawn a sequel. The Unnameable 2 picks up where the original left off. It goes into a little more detail as to how it was Elida's father, who, through practicing dark magics, he learned from studying the Necronomicon, managed to put the demon inside of her. If you see the first movie, you should definitely watch number two. It's a good watch that really rounds out the story. I would love to see this movie be resurrected with the intent to make it as scary as humanly possible. It has the bone structure and the story to be truly terrifying. I would actually take the story of both films and just turn them into one big film. I think it would be a damn good movie. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes did not have a rating for this film. IMDb gave it a 4.9 out of 10. I would give The Unnameable a 6 out of 10. It is a fun 80s horror film that stood out to me. I saw this movie for the first time when I was a kid at my grandmother's, and it scared the crap out of me. And I can clearly hear her telling me, Oh, close your eyes, there's boobs. (laughs) As a grown-up, I can say that there are scarier films out there, 
but there is something about this film that has always just resonated with me, and I felt it was definitely one that deserved a place among my horror section. I call this story The Phantom Cat. Do you believe that all living things hold a spirit within itself? I do. The year was 2005. I had moved into my first apartment about a half hour away from my childhood home. I loved it. It was a third floor apartment with two bedrooms, one bathroom, and a balcony. Oh, and occasionally my neighbor across the way would uh, forget to close his curtains during, um, shall we say, times that you should close your curtains. <laughs> so my apartment came with free porn from time to time. <laughs> it was very peaceful. The neighbors were friendly. It had a community pool. And it was very close to the city. One of my closest friends, Carrie, had moved in with me and my boyfriend at the time. I was working at Menard's teaching dance and gymnastics in the evenings, and I think I was still cleaning the turkey roost um, certain nights of the week, which is a local legend privately owned restaurant if you are ever coming through Cockholland, Michigan. I was quite the busy bee at the time in my life. One early morning, I had gotten up to get ready for work, and I walked out to the living room where Carrie was still awake from the night before just watching TV. I sat down with her to have some coffee. I turned my head towards the hallway to stretch my neck, still kind of waking up, and I saw a cat run down the hallway. I turned to Carrie and I said, hey, when did we get a cat? She looked at me funny and chuckled out, um, we don't have a cat, honey. <laughs> I was still very tired and just thought maybe I was hallucinating. After all, I was working three freaking jobs, dash it all. I was freaking tired. Anyways, I shrugged it off and I went about with my life. A couple days later, I came home from work and my boyfriend was frantically searching one of the closets in the guest room. I asked him, what, do you, what are you looking for? He said, I just watched a cat run in here. He and I were not in a good place at that time and... I hadn't even mentioned to him about seeing the cat run down the hall just a couple nights before. I don't think I even told him about it then when I saw him searching for it. It was shortly after that I ended up kicking him out of the apartment anyway, so it didn't really matter to me uh, to cue him in on the possible cat haunting. Not long after that, I was working at Menards and Carrie called me on the department phone from the apartment. She was frantic, and she said, I'm sorry to bother you at work, but I couldn't wait to tell you this. She was sleeping on the couch in the living room. All of a sudden, she could feel what felt like a cat laying on her chest. She said she could feel it purring. This was what woke her up. She kept her eyes shut and just tried to wrap her arms, her arms around it, but there was nothing there. Totally freaked her out. We searched every inch of that apartment, looked for any possible holes or anywhere that a cat could be sneaking in and out. But we couldn't find nothing. 
this apartment building was solid. I never heard my neighbors ever. We came to the realization that this had to be a ghost cat. With three people having separate experiences, what else could it be? It was fun though. I was never afraid of it, except on one occasion. Carrie had moved out at this point, so I was living alone. I had just gone to bed. I was a big journal writer at the time. Really helped me work through any issues I was having. My favorite time to write was at the end of the day while laying in bed. I had just turned my nightstand light off and closed my eyes. All of a sudden I could hear my kitchen cupboard doors opening and closing and sort of rattling. I just laid in bed and listened. My heart started to beat a little harder. Next I could hear the glasses clinking together and plates being moved. Of course the thoughts of an intruder went through my head, but I knew that wasn't what it was. I couldn't bring myself to get up and check it out. My intuition just knew it was the phantom cat walking between the glasses and brushing up against the plates. I eventually just fell asleep. In the morning I checked things out. Nothing was disturbed. This occurrence would not be the last. This happened on several evenings during the year I spent in that apartment. I never did see the phantom cat again. I always kept my eyes out for it, though. I wonder if the tenant today is experiencing my little friend. I'll have to pay a visit sometimes and ask. <coughs> Only one more episode for season one, and I have saved a true icon for the last. The undisputed queen of Halloween herself, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. She is one of my ultimate heroines that I've always kept close to my heart. She was my inspiration for starting Steve's Horror Section. You can watch Elvira right now on Shudder, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Tubi, YouTube, and of course on Blu-ray and DVD. Steve's Horror Section is an independently produced podcast. If you would like to become a supporter of the show, please visit my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash section. The music and sound effects you hear on my show are provided by epidemicsound.com. See you next time.